All right, welcome in, everybody. Eric Winalda coming to you from Blue Wire Studios here at the Wynn Hotel Resort and Casino, wonderful Las Vegas. That's the intro. That's usually what I do. The world has gone COVID crazy. You know, everybody knows that I'm, I don't take these things lightly. I've had uh, several deaths in my family when it comes to this wretched disease. So I don't want anybody to think that I'm addressing this in a joking matter because I, I am not. But wow, all kinds of stuff going on across Europe. Pep Guardiola is, is now tested positive. He will not be on the sidelines. They'll, they'll put everything in, in the assistance control, as well as Sean Dyche, which was, you remember him from Burnley, of course. And he's also tested positive. And our good friend, Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang, has tested positive upon arrival to the African Cup of Nations. It looks like there's seven professionals at Man City that are also going to have to go into seclusion and make sure that they uh, stick to the protocol and make sure that... I wish everybody well. I hope everyone can get back uh, on their feet as soon as possible. I do not like to watch a Man City game without Mr. Mr. Pep on the sidelines. He is one of my favorite managers. I hate to see it. Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, what everybody's saying about this new new strand, this mutation, is that it's not as strong as the others, uh, whether it be Delta or COVID-19. So it's it's a worry. And I... um, my thoughts go out to all of those who are inflicted by this, and I hope that they can get back on their feet as soon as possible. But it does affect the weekend for sure. There's all kinds of, God, you know what? I, 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 on the last podcast, I talked a little bit about Manchester United and how difficult things are at the moment. And everybody seems to be coming back to Gunner. There's Gunner shows. What a great coach he was. He got criticized for smiling on the sidelines, and now they've got a guy that refuses to smile. This is the way I feel about it. I think that there's certain clubs out there when it comes to supporters, fans, whatever you want to call yourselves. You know, the word fan comes from fanatic. And sometimes you guys certainly prove that. Um, some of you just, you're going to get to heaven and complain the clouds are too white. You, you just, you got to find something to complain about. It's, it's, it's just support your damn team. Just, just try that on for size. Can you, please? Uh, and and they have this, the, I guess the footnote to Obama Yang arriving, and uh, apparently there was some video. They caught him partying in Dubai, and then he shows up sick. You know, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was dropped from uh, Arsenal's side, and they shipped him from his captain's band. I think I'm starting to realize why. I think one of their coaches, uh, Gabon's coaches, or and I think Cameroonian coaches is sick. They, it's just kind of running rampant right now. So it's really going to be problematic for the. Uh, Africa Cup of Nations. I know there's 41 players on the EPL alone on their way down there. And it's just, it's just, it, it, you know, it's it, tournaments like that. They just lose their appeal. Their, their, you know, there's just the vibe is, is, is just sucks all the air out of the room when uh, everyone's just kind of in a situation where they're just trying to avoid contact with people. That's kind of like one of the things that I really enjoy. I'm surprised Liverpool has to have a bigger problem with uh, Klopp being the, the hugger that he is. The guy hugs everybody every day. He's not, he's not uh, Ralph Reinick, just walks to his office with his briefcase and doesn't even look at people. He's not Sir Alex Ferguson, who knew the name of the grandson of the cook and when his birthday was. Reinick doesn't care about that stuff. The, um, after we did last, the last podcast, uh, some of the reports came out that 11 players now for Manchester United want out. They no longer want to be there. And most of the fans, if you listen to fans, I actually was on... Twitter the other day, I saw one of those chats in the top corner. I says, oh, shit, I'll listen. So I'm listening to these people. And they're like, there's 11 guys that want out. Good. Get rid of them. Good riddance, you losers. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. It's just one of those things. I think that Manchester United is 
is in, in deeper trouble than, than we thought. It's not just Gary Neville screaming at the rain. There's just a lot going on. So we'll keep our, we'll keep our eye on the Africa Cup of Nations. We'll see how that all pans out. Who's eligible? Who does stay clear of COVID and who ends up on the list and in a room? Uh, the last note I would say with that uh, game that we just had, was it yesterday, I, I believe? Chelsea takes out Tottenham. I saw Conte's comments about not feeling that he has a, a team that can, can uh, compete with Chelsea. Sounded like a bunch of excuses, but I mean, the goals were horrible. I mean, ben Davies hit the goal. If you watch it, just go back and watch. Find it on YouTube. I mean, it's just bad luck. I mean, a clearance hits him in the back of the head and hits him, ends up in the top corner. You can't blame him for that. The fans did get after Lukaku, rightly so. And that was, that was fun to watch. I thought it was really interesting that uh, Thomas Tuchel, after the game, ends up essentially saying, look, I know you guys think this Lukaku thing is rough, but man, I coach Neymar. I know what rough is. So, I mean, he already, he just went there. He basically said, I, I've, I've seen worse, I think was his comment, which is pretty telling. We weren't always aware of how difficult Neymar was to manage, but if that's the case, boy, he must have been up to some stuff. All right, that is, all that stuff is just to catch you up. We got COVID. Uh, we have a new owner over there at uh, RSL. I think the last, the last podcast we discussed, uh, and I, I don't want to even talk about Woodward. He's leaving, he's leaving uh, Manchester United. We all know that. They, they're going to, I think it's Arnold. I, I can't remember who. It's Arnold. Yeah, he's the new CEO. That's a change. And then the new, there's a new owner at, at uh, Real Salt Lake. Now, it just, just real quick before I get into what I really want to talk about, which is Carlos Cordero has just announced that he's going to run for president again. Now, if some of you might remember, it'll take you a couple months back, all the controversy surrounding the women's league team, bunch of stuff, and he resigns. Uh, and now he wants, to, he wants back in. What I'm going to say about him is really going to surprise you. I think there's a lot of people that might think that he's an adversary, that he's a bad guy, or that he's, you know, he isn't the right guy, or whatever you want to think. I'm going to talk about it at the end, of, well, in, in about two minutes after I get done with this RSL news. And I think it's going to surprise you. Carlos is not the man that he's been portrayed to be. And I do think that he was somewhat sabotaged. And I'll explain in a second. Now, just to go backwards here, I just want to explain to everybody. Last podcast, when I got into Ricardo Pepe and I said, he's not worth 20 million. Okay? He's not. He's not worth 20 million. And I went into a couple of reasons why that all is what it is. And so the new owners of RSL just happened to be the owners of Augsburg. Do the math, people. Connect the dots. Okay, just figure it out. We all remember what happened at RSL Deloitte. He was accused of racism. They basically stripped him from being an owner. The league took over, paid for it, bought him out, and now they just they flipped it. I, I think they probably bought him out for about two fifty and sold it for three fifty. But there's twenty million in there that I refer to as the Steuerberater, that which means accountant in Germany or in German. We'll see where all that money lands. But essentially, the owner of Augsburg pretty much just paid himself. So, I mean, let's just be honest about what is going on. I think that the business is great. We're seeing a lot of player, a lot of player movement, American players. But let's, when we start selling every one of our players to American ownership, then I'll start believing that we're doing the real business of football. Does that make sense? I have one more thing. I apologize. One more thing to explain before I get into Carlos Cordero, because this is, is, it has to do with the national team. When the U.S. national team uh, played against Bosnia, I got in the back of a car. It was not, I, I think Jimmy Conrad thought I was in an Uber. I wasn't in an Uber. I was in actually my, it was in a family car. I was with the in-laws. I made jokes. I said I, I, I had a little bit too much to drink. It wasn't 
wasn't true. I had one of those big like Michelob ultras. So I had like some glorified water with hops in it. But in that rant, I need to explain it. All right. I'm getting a little bit of heat from this. Sometimes I do this. I say something, I don't explain it. And people think I'm out of line. And then I explain it and they go, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Well, we're about to have that moment. Before I get to Cordero, in that rant, I said, these guys are a part of a project and they just don't care. There's no heart. The reason why I said that, and I alluded to it in two podcasts ago, and this is the true story. I was with a couple of my friends. There was not a lot of people at that game. Of course, the camera angles were set on the west side, which basically shows all the people in the cheap seats on the other side. But on the other side of the field, which you don't see on television, there was virtually nobody there. I have pictures. I can prove it. But I went over there because I did have a ticket on that side. And I brought two of my friends who didn't have tickets in that section, but there was at least three, 4,000 seats available. So we thought, hey, we'll just take one. And all I did is show that, you know, the usher, hey, this is, this is my, oh, go ahead. And then my group went down there. In that game, I sat really close proximity to a gentleman with his son. And he was started to complain about how much he had paid for his ticket, which was somewhere in the range. I can't remember. It was 150, 160 bucks. And he had his son with him. So this guy spent 300 bucks to be there. So he was getting, ex- <laughs> so the longer the game went on, the more annoyed he got that it was 0-0 against a very, well, I don't want to say very, but I, I'd say a not great Bosnia side. We were not having a good game. Now in my rant, people think I'm talking about the performance on the field. This is the explanation, folks. This man walked down. Well, he didn't have to walk through anybody. He just walked down to the aisle. And when the game was over, and I'm not throwing these guys under the bus. I'm not going to say a name. They know who they are. This kid, probably 10, 11 years old, I don't know, was just hanging over. He had a great seat. And there was nobody there. One kid with his dad. And he asked six or seven of our national team players, hey, can you get an autograph? And every single one of them walked right past the kid. They saw him. They acknowledged him, but they didn't take the time to walk over and sign an autograph for a kid and his dad. And it pissed me off to no end. It actually, you know what didn't piss me off? It broke my heart. It's sad to me. And I mentioned this. I said, well, maybe this is just me being the, you know, my generation. In my generation, it didn't matter how many people wanted our autograph. We stayed. And we signed it because we did care about our fans. But back then it was a little different. We weren't a bunch of entitled tattooed kids who were making way much more money than they deserve who just decide to click out and say, I don't have time for that. You don't have time for that? We were trying to build an audience in the 90s. We were just happy you were there. And we were just happy to have anybody there. And you can say whatever you like about David Beckham, all right? David Beckham made his entire team wait in the bus, because he never let those kids down. God bless him for that. You can say whatever you want about the man, but you have to commend him for that. They wanted his autograph, he stayed. And he signed every single thing they asked him to. And our guys walk right past one kid and they didn't have time for it. So if you want to know why I was mad, and I'll take this up with Greg Berhalter because he's mad at me too, because he thinks I was out of line to say what I said. But I didn't feel in that moment that it was appropriate for me to throw these guys under the bus. And I still won't say their names. I still won't. But that's just not the way this should be. So they can hold up that sign, right? And take it to the fan blog. Hey, thank you, fans. Dude, the fan was the 10-year-old kid. You jackasses, stop and sign your autograph next time. 
You're going to wear that shirt. You're going to represent all of us. That kid's one of us. It was wrong. It was wrong. So you can think whatever you like about what my rant or I'm, oh, I'm the old guy on the lawns, you know, screaming. But God damn it, if you're going to represent this country, represent it the right way next time. Some of those names, some of those names that I could say would really disappoint you. So I'll let your imagination take it from there. I just was not happy with it. It reminds me, I'm going to tell one more story before that, but I remember we were playing against El Salvador up in Oakland. And uh, we we're going to play El Salvador next, I believe, on the 27th, uh, I think in Minnesota, at a World Cup qualifier. And we won the game. And it took us a while to get out of there. I don't remember the reasons why. I think it was raining. But we won the game. And I think Alexi and I were in the back of the bus. And we were having some difficulty. Oakland's a weird stadium to get out of. And uh, trying to get out of that stadium. And we saw three American guys with American flags running for their life, getting chased by a mob a blue mob of El Salvadorian people. I don't know what it was said. I don't know how they got in this situation. There's probably some, some drunken pride that they, they cheered a little bit too loud. Somebody threw something at and here we go. These guys are running for their life. We ran to the front of the bus and we said, stop the bus, get these guys. And we got three guys that came on the bus. And now they're sitting in the front of the bus of the U.S. national team, right? And I'm going to doc, take care of this guy. It looks like he's got a cut. And I'm like, dude, you're cut. He's like, yeah, I, I got hit in the head. He had a couple of stitches. But we stopped the bus. I don't know if we saved their life. I don't know. They looked they look like they were going to get out of there, but it was the right thing to do because those were our fans. Those were our people that were just spent, you know, an hour and a half, two hours up in the stands rooting for us. It was just common sense to stop. The guys are on the bus. Doc's taking care of them. And I happen to be still standing, if you, if you can imagine, like the front, we moved so they could have their front of the bus. I think Steve Sampson even and Clive Charles moved to, to let, let those guys. Clive thought it was hilarious. Clive's no longer with us. I wish he could tell the story better than me. But as I was standing there and I was about to go back to my seat, this kid, kid, I don't know. I don't know how old he was. Mid-20s, maybe. He bumps his buddy next to him and he goes, dude, we're on the national team bus. This is the coolest thing ever. He's bleeding. He's bleeding and getting you know, pretty much stitched up. That's why I get mad when our guys and these entitled little kids decide, hey, I made the national team for the first time and I'm going to go walk right past a 10-year-old. Please don't do that. Don't do that. I read somewhere about a month ago, something that Fred Astaire said. The reason why it's interesting that Fred Astaire said this many years ago, and it still exists today, is he said, parents today's most difficult challenge is teaching our children manners without seeing them. It's kind of applicable here. If you don't know how to act, sometimes you choose to do nothing. But when a kid asks for your autograph, guys, I'm not suggesting that any of you will ever hear this regardless of what the media thinks of you, regardless of what your paycheck says, you stop, you smile, you say, where are you from? Thanks for coming. Here's my autograph. And make that kid's day. Problem is, is I think we're two fans less next time we go to LA because they're not going to buy two tickets for 350 bucks to watch a 0-0 game for 89 minutes and get a goal at the end and then have a bunch of condescending pricks walk right past them. No, I just wish... That didn't, I didn't see that. Ignorance would, is bliss. But I did see that. And I'm disappointed in those guys and I want them to, uh, to know that I know and I hope that they never do that again. Especially if they're going to uh, represent the United States of America in any capacity. Because that wasn't cool. That wasn't cool at all. And I apologize to the kid. Kid, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for them. They embarrassed me as well. All right, let's get to Carlos Cordero. Carlos Cordero, as you know, ran for the... Uh, against me or with me. And there was eight candidates for crying out loud. Kathy Carter was one, Hope Solo, Paul Calajuri, our good friend, Cal Martino. And I am being facetious saying that. 
but Carlos won. And I think Steve Gans and I went on winning grind was also a part of that, that uh, setup. But anyway, he won as president and there was a lot of people didn't think that would happen. A lot of people were really riding the uh, Kathy Carter MLS bandwagon and he became our president a couple months ago, surrounded by a lot of controversy and a statement made and a strategy, strategy proposed by the lawyers, U S soccer's lawyers on how to deal with equal pay was ultimately the demise of, of Carlos Cordero, where he, he resigned amidst the, the accusations that he was behind this strategy. He has since then said that he never read the official strategy or anything in, in those legal documents. He, he never even reviewed them. So uh, we could say this, that maybe he's guilty of negligence, but he certainly isn't guilty of the sabotage which occurred at, thereafter. And so I think in, after, you know, in his words, uh, after some reflection and review, he, he's decided he wants, to, he wants to try and throw his hat back in the ring and see if he can help. Now, here's what I will tell you about Mr. Cordero. Uh, he is certainly not a friend of mine, but I do believe he is a friend of the game. Now, some of you might say, are oh, you crazy? I did get to know the man a little bit. And I know where his heart is. And I, I commended him and I congratulated him for his victory. And if, if the truth be known, uh, the way that that went down uh, is that the, the group, we all knew we were up against... Carlos and and uh, and Kathy, and the the vote the first vote reflected that, where they're both in the thirty percentile, and and, and you just got to get over fifty and you win this thing. So uh, as it would be, I think I had thirteen or fourteen percent, and Cal Martino had seven, eight, or nine. I can't remember. But the deal that we had made is that whoever whoever whatever number shot out of there, uh, whoever voted for it, that we would pool our 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 commitment to each other. And, you know, one of us would back out. And I, and I, I can say this without hesitation. If Kyle Martino spit, spit out a number of 16% and I had 10, I would have said, all right, I'll back you. And that's the way I felt in, at that time, that there was a, a call for change. And I believe that, that you know, whether it was Kyle or, or Paul Calajuri or myself, that we were a, a better representation of what change was necessary. In the end, after that number was spit out and Kyle decided to change his mind. And I think his words were attrition is my friend, which it was because I immediately went out to the, the people that were supporting me before the uh, third vote. And I said, I'm putting all of my, just basically back Carlos is what I said. Any, anybody that was a supporter of mine who had who'd casted a vote in my favor, um, I was asking to now support Carlos Cordero. That's the truth. That's the way it went down. Yeah, I was angry at people that were on the floor saw how angry I was. It's okay. But I, in the moment where it mattered most to me, if I had to make that decision between Kathy Carter or Carlos Cordero, I chose Carlos. Which politically, even now, has had its effect on my life. If you're being, being totally honest. But Carlos won. And after the election, and after he was in, in, in office, there's a couple of things that have happened to me in my life. I mean, for crying out loud, I lost my mom, I lost my brother, I had my house burned down been some bad stuff in there. I got a job. I got fired. I got, I got rehired. Carlos was always there. He always reached out and he always actually cared and sent a message or asked if I needed anything. Now, whether you think that's disingenuous or, or, or real or you, you don't know what to think, it meant a lot to me. And I don't, I don't appreciate what happened to him. And I don't appreciate the way it went down as far as, uh, all the dirty politics that happened from start to finish of the election. But I'm going to support him again. 
100%. And there's a lot of people out there that will look at his past and they will think that he's the bad guy in this story and they'll, they're wrong. They're wrong. He's a good man. Is he a soccer guy? No. He's Goldman Sachs. He's, he's not, he's a finance guy. And that might have been one of the reasons why that, that we felt that he was a much more appropriate choice as the new president of U.S. soccer because we had $150 million sitting in a fund. And people always wanted to know how we were going to spend that. I had my ideas. I had my platform. We all did. Well, guess what? That money's almost gone because we spent it all on lawyers fighting with each other. So it's not having all the money when you need the finance guy. It might be when you need to go make some. So this decision uh, for him to, to run uh, again for president uh, is going to be filled with controversy. A lot of people are going to have a lot of opinions about uh, what should or should not happen. In my process, I came into it hot. I came into it thinking this guy has, a, has, has had relationships with Sunil Gulati. He's He was brought in by Sunil Gulati. He worked with Chuck Blazer. We all know Chuck Blazer's story. That guy's, that guy's laundered more money than, I don't know, Al Capone. But in all of that, when you really get down the bare bones of it all, he's just a finance guy. You ever see the movie Untouchables? Not to go Al Capone on you, but the, the, the accountant, he knew everything. They put him on the stand and he told the truth. Is he the bad guy? He was asked to do a job to make the books make sense. Did he cook the books? No. So before we go into this uh, with, with looking at it through the, the wrong lens, I would encourage most of you to revisit the idea of Carlos Cordero being your president. Under the circumstances, especially who he's running against, who will remain, it's Cindy Cohn, but I'm not going to expound on what I know. And I know enough. And there's no reason for me to go into the details. But under the circumstances, Carlos is the better choice. Way better choice. Especially when we're in a time of need. He's going to need help. And I personally will extend a helping hand. I will reach out to Mr. Cordero as the president of U.S. Soccer. And I'm not going to do the, you know, JFK, ask not what, but I will ask, how can I help? Can I help? I actually think I have a better chance of helping now more than ever. And that will always be my intention is to help. I just want soccer to be better. The only thing that I want is for us to actually believe, true to the song, that we actually have a shot at winning a World Cup. Love to be involved with that. I still owe Greg Berhalter an apology because uh, he didn't. He got if he he'll never listen to this. But if I'll, I'll basically say the same thing, I'll say get those guys to sign those that, that kid's autograph next time, please. I can't believe I'm asking, please. But it's important. It's important to me, and I think the culture that uh, Greg has 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 created uh, is commendable as well. I think that they, our, our U.S. national team is, is filled with talent, but I'd like to see more character especially in those moments. Whether, whether we win the games or not, conduct yourself uh, like men, conduct yourself like United States of America citizens, and just have the common decency to understand your position, the role that you are in, and just be better, better next time, please.
and, and I'm I'm looking forward to that conversation with with Greg so that uh, he can better understand what 49 seconds in the back of a car meant. All right. Well, that is uh, I, it was a short one today. I, I do want to uh, just as a recap, we're going to keep watching the um, the Africa Cup of Nations and, and hope that uh, Pep Guardiola and, and the rest of the gang they they can recover quickly uh, and be on the sidelines uh, for Man City. Obama Yang, start behaving yourself, please. We'd really appreciate it, everybody. And I guess I could have talked about Christian Pulisic playing right back. Yeah. But it was in a time of need, and don't get too crazy on this one. I think Tuchel just had to get through the game of Spiel the got hurt, so come on, relax. We still have a superstar, and he'll end up playing on the wing eventually. And if he plays on the wing for us, great. If Tuchel thinks he's a 9, an 11, then an 8, then a 7, and a 2, it really isn't our problem. I just hope he stays healthy. Uh, but that's it for today. Thanks for coming along for the ride. I wish you well. You can find me on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I'm, if you've already found me, you already found me. But as I always do, continue to be good human beings out there. Take care of each other, love each other, respect and accept each other. We're going to be all right. We'll hear you next time.